Hey, Reagan. So have you ever been in a poly relationship? I sure have. <laughs> okay, and how was it? Well, it's ongoing. It's a it's a process. Um, it's really good, and I think it's can be really meaningful when everyone involved is aware and there's lots of open communication and often communication. <laughs> that sounds like a very complex and intense relationship. It's definitely intense, but you know, he and I just connected right away and you can't fall, you can't help with who you fall in love with. And right after meeting him, I was at his wedding and met his wife-to-be in the receiving line. <laughs> <laughs> so was that awkward then? No, I mean, I would say we sort of got the awkwardness out of the way, you know, a couple of days before his wedding when we had sex, so. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to So We Dated, the podcast where we interview people we dated and discuss how we met, the dates, and where it went wrong. I'm David Gonzalez, and I'm joined by Dame Reagan. What's up, Reagan? Howdy. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm a little tired, but You're a little tired. Yeah. But you don't you, you don't look tired. You look fabulous. Oh. I know it's this is not the medium for for dressing up, but you <laughs> you are definitely decked out today. Thanks. Everyone can just yeah. take your word for it. Yeah. Uh I'm in a tux, but that's my usual attire because <laughs> it is after 5. It is after 5. Um but you you have some shimmery pants which which are very nice. I know. I love a good glitter and holographic yeah. attire. And, and a, and a shirt that cost a car payment, from what I understand? <laughs> it was a splurge. You know, we're all worth it. And I've been wearing it every day this week. So <laughs> I'm really getting my money's worth with okay. this shirt. What is so special about this shirt? Now, can we say how much it costs or do we – is that is that a little – I mean, it was $200. Okay. I think for some people that probably wouldn't be expensive. But yeah. I don't go spending $200 on a shirt that yeah. isn't, you know, for work. This is clearly not a work shirt. No. I just fell in love with it. Those Instagram ads got me right off the bat. Okay. So what is I, – I am not very fashion forward. I don't know the difference between a $50 shirt and a $200 shirt. But there has to be some sort of difference besides $150. No, I think that's basically it. Okay. It's just the price and what you're going to pay, what you're willing to pay for such okay. novel items. I, I feel like you would be bad at selling a $200 shirt because as of right now, I'm not hearing. You know, you, I'm it, not selling it. You're not selling it. Well, I it. sold it to my entire family over Thanksgiving. I kept sending texts to my family okay. with the link to the shirt, hoping they would buy it for me. Mm. And when they didn't bite, I was like, okay, I have to yeah. figure out how I'm going to do this myself. I would be nervous to wear a $200 shirt because number one, where do I wear it to? You wear it to when you record podcasts. Okay, yeah. So it's like, hey, everybody who's listening to this, <laughs> check out this shirt. Check out the shirt you can't see. You also I, just wear it literally everywhere else. I do feel like the great part about this is people could kind of use their own imagination as to what a $200 shirt would look like. Like there could be someone, you know, who's thinking, oh, that that's like a Batman shirt with like utility pockets and like a grappling hook out the back. <laughs> it would be really funny to see what people think we're yeah. describing right now. Yeah, I like... think we we did take a picture and I might post it and uh, put <laughs> put like a caption, $200 with like a shrug emoji. <laughs> Would you pay $200? Yes. Um, but uh, yeah. So anyway, I'm, I'm very excited by our guest today. I think um, someone who you've met before. Izzy. Izzy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, we're going to we're, we're going to talk a little bit about poly relationships as our cold open 
revealed. Yep. Yeah. Something I know a little bit about, yeah. at least for the last five years of my life. I've well, been exploring that. I also think you have very insightful views on it. I think, you know, people who are not familiar with those kinds of relationships or that lifestyle might have some preconceived notions. But I, I think as you and I have talked, um, you're very thoughtful about it. And I think you're very measured in in how you approach it. I mean, yes, 100% to the first point. I think so many people have misconceptions. They think it's just one big orgy all the time and you're just trying to sleep with 100 different people every day, which that's what it can look like for some people. Ethical non non-monogamy can look that way. For me, it's a little bit different. Um, and yeah, I try and be as forthcoming and open and honest and communicative as I can be, but it's all new to me. This isn't something that I grew up knowing was a, even a possibility. There, you know, I was raised Catholic and it's not something that anyone ever talked about. You know, if you weren't with your primary partner, you were a whore or you were cheating on them and it wasn't good and it mm -hmm. was to the damage of your relationship. But, um, with the people I've met in the community and just my partners that I've been with, it's it's really elucidated a lot of things about what it is. And I've helped define it for myself a little bit more along the way as well. So I'm really excited because I feel like you and Izzy are both uh, maybe more aligned in how you think. And I uh, was new to dating someone who is polyamorous. Uh, and I'm still a little on the fence, I think, you know, uh, as we have this conversation, I sometimes wonder, is um, ethical non-monogamy just like the greatest marketing NPR <laughs> ever? Because people who've been in relationships have always wanted to have sex with other people, like since the dawn of time, like the caveman is like, what is that other cave woman doing? What's her story? Even though he's with, you look know. Look at all these hot cave women look out Look at her. Here. Like yeah. she's got, you know, a, a very little back hair. That's that's extreme. I really like her drawings yeah. on the cave wall. Yeah. Uh, it's So it's it, it, it got into if you're if you were a man, because uh, it was stereotypically a guy who's like, you know, babe. Um, men aren't meant to be monogamous. We're, we're, we're out there, you know, we're creatures who have lots of love to give. Like that guy was a, a jerk, but now it's like, no, that makes sense. I'm down with that. Well, anyway, let's not dominate this conversation. We are here to talk to people we dated. Yeah. Even in an ethical, non-monogamous way. Yeah. So why don't we welcome our guest, Izzy? Hi, Izzy. Hi there. How are you? I am doing pretty well today. It's been a busy day, but you know how it goes. You survived getting here. You 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 had Christmas thrust upon you. Or I, the holiday I did. Season. I mean, it was an unexpected uh, adventure through a series of religious light structures, <laughs> which I really haven't experienced before. So, absolutely, it, it was is... a nice surprise for me too. Coming in, there's you, lots you not, of lights. Have you not heard of Christmas before? Is this your first <laughs> exposure to it? You know, uh, I, I tend to be sort of low key Christmas, so the number of lights I found just very stunning, uh, and, and the number of cars uh, moving through to see this At was... At two miles per hour. Yeah, it yeah. was you know, It was certainly a scene. Mm. So, yeah, I'm all for unique experiences. Yeah. So, for those, we didn't say this yet, but um, we do record at the Mind's Eye Radio Studio in Belleville, Illinois. So, folks who are familiar with Belleville, Illinois might be familiar with the lights. We all live 
in the St. Louis region, so we are not familiar, and this was quite the shock to us. It's a spectacular light show. I was giddy until I realized we had somewhere to be and everyone was going one mile per hour. Yes. But you could bring you could bring a date here. This would be a great date place, especially just... if you want to hold hands in the on the drive. That yes. that is true. <laughs> sort of like a slow moving conversation uh-huh. building space. Yeah, I, I see a lot of potential here. See mm-hmm. now this is where we're gonna start the dating from. Now from now on, this is gonna be the location around Christmas. Everybody's just gonna start bringing their dates first, here. Yeah. It's a hot yeah. first date tip. Yeah. So speaking of dating, uh Izzy, you and I actually dated. Shocking. So let's start at the beginning. So uh, do you remember how you and I met? Yeah, I was going to ask. How did you guys meet? Uh, well, I mean, we met. We met through a dating app. Which one? OKC, I think. So OKCupid, sorry. Yeah. For those who were un- uninitiated, I yeah. should clarify uh, some of the jargon here. Yes, just in case people think it's Oklahoma City. We didn't meet in Oklahoma City. Yeah, no, I've never actually been to Oklahoma City, although I'm sure it's lovely. But uh, Were you on other apps, or was this like your primary one that you were focused on? So, I I mean, I think for me, and I'll I'll let David speak for himself, I think for for me, OKC was my primary one. Uh, Early in my dating experience, I tried Tinder, which then terrified me. Uh, So I, I got off that really quickly and decided maybe that wasn't exactly what I was looking for. And then we, when I moved to OkCupid, it was a lot easier to specify, I think, what it was that I was interested in. Sure. And so that made a huge difference for me. Yeah. It's it's the wild, wild west on Tinder. I will say that. You can narrow stuff down a little bit more in OkCupid. You know, what I'm always interested in, Izzy, is when someone is on, well, you particularly, when you're on one of these sites, like, what are some of the things you look for? What are the, what are the green flags? What are the red flags? What are the things <laughs> that are like, yes, this guy must date me? <laughs> well, I mean, I think red flags are, and, and again, like usually screening algorithms pull a lot of these out. But, you know, for me personally, if you voted for Trump, we are not dating. Oh, that's, like a, that. that's like, a swipe left for I, me, I, I too. was like, that is, a, that is a no. Yeah. Uh, not just because I disagree, but because I, I understand the underlying um things that go along with that. And I know that that's not going to be a fit. And not just that this person's probably going to make me miserable, but I'm probably going to make them miserable too. And so, you know, let's not spend the time worrying about that. Um, You know, looking for people uh, who are, who say that they're open and flexible and then demonstrate it later on in maybe something else they say. Um, Actually, a big red flag for me is anyone who goes on and tells me what they don't want uh, usually to me that signals, first of all, A, someone who is still coping with a lot of their own issues. Uh, so whether they're, they've been hurt by somebody before, uh, whether they are, you know, whether it's a past relationship or a family thing. So yeah, if someone's writing like, well, you know, if you do, you know, if this is your thing, don't do this, you know, I, I'm not interested in you. Okay, that's fine. I'm not really interested in you either, either. It really gives you insight into where they are in their own life. And I'm like, we've moved past that. Good on you. When, whenever I swipe left on someone, I, I found myself, you know, we're not supposed to judge a book by the cover. And yet that's what we're doing on these apps. And whenever I swipe left on someone, I say blessings. I'm like, blessings. <laughs> blessings to you on your journey. Yeah. So. Now, have you – you've been on – Okay, Cupid or OKC okay, as the hip people. Call I it. think I think in the era in which you guys were dating, because you guys dated how many years ago? It was twenty nineteen. Yeah. So in that era, well, I was I was in a relationship, but before that, 
The other thing I like about OkCupid, okay which I think piqued my interest with you because I, you know, listen to Big Data, is that it shows you like your percentage match. And I think I oh, think yeah. I remember you were like ninety seven for me, and I'm like, that's pretty good. That's like A plus work. Like that this is A plus work. A-plus work. Do you do you put too much stock into that? So uh, the way that I do it is uh, depend, and I'll acknowledge this really depends on how many other relationships I'm in at the time, because uh, I, I try, especially now that I've I've uh, grown a little bit as a poly person, I'm a little smarter about how many relationships I can handle at once. Mm. Uh, you know, it started off with like, sure, I can I can date five people at once. How hard can that be? <laughs> yeah. And uh, that'd be That's really hard. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that that'd be really hard. Um, so. I mean, I usually look at, are you 90% or higher? And that's kind of my my first quotient. And I'll be honest, like, I, I know a lot of guys are like, oh, you just look at the pictures and then you swipe. Like, I make a point of not looking at anybody's picture as I'm doing it. Oh, like, I actually, I actually look at the percentage first. And then I just, then from that, I make the decision, like, okay, then I'll look at the picture and see where we are. But, but what if you're disappointed in the picture? Well, I mean. Then I, you've wasted time reading well, a bio. I mean, I suppose that's <laughs> always the risk, <laughs> you know. But I, I, I'll say this has come out of dating really pretty people who I found stunningly boring. Not yeah. David, by the way, who actually Clearly I very not. much enjoyed time with. But I, I've dated some very pretty men who were not going to be compatible with mm. what I needed. So yeah, like that's that's my usual go-to for numbers. And I would say one of the things I really like about OKC aside from percentage is it gives the option for like non-monogamy. So Mm -hmm. unlike a lot of other sites, so Bumble, for example, that I've been on before, there is no option on Bumble, and which means that I have to spend all of my time at the beginning of the introduction explaining my situation. And the character limits. You're like, now I have to say. You're just like, okay, so I'm Polly. If you need to know what that means, please ask me. Here's stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So since you were looking for 90% or higher, were you at... A 4.0 student in high school. I, I really was. Yeah. yeah sorry. Yeah. No, and, and, I think and it's college. Great. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're sticking with your trend. You're being consistent. I forgot about the percentages on OKQ. Okay, it's, it's interesting. Uh, I think so. First of all, I want to say that I really enjoyed getting to know you because I feel like you really changed my mindset and made me consider a lot of things. Uh, you were one of the first people I dated when I was really getting serious on dating. I think I met you uh, two months after joining an app and I didn't see you at first because I selected monogamy only. And I wasn't really sure how that would work out in my life, a non-monogamous relationship. Uh, And even after I saw the percentage and I'm like, oh, this lady's super attractive too, you know, and a good percentage. Oh my goodness. <laughs> oh my God. This is like, you know, straight A student and, yeah. a, and a looker. And a looker. And a looker. Jackpot. Um, and I think it was, I think it was just for me challenging an assumption that I had of how a relationship could be and how it could look like. Reagan and I talked earlier about how we've had these points. Um, I'm interested for you, like, how did you decide, like, no, I'm going to go outside the, the, the confines of a monogamous uh, situation? I mean, I think a lot of the impetus came from not dating a lot. I mean, I got married really young, so I got married in my very early 20s. 
and, you know, went through with all of the expected ideals that, you know, I got married, um, you know, I finished my education, I had kids, I did all the things that I was supposed to do. And I realized actually after going to therapy for a couple of years that I was really miserable. And, uh, you know, my therapist, actually all credit to her for saying, you, you really don't have to be miserable. There's no reason that you have to stay in this particular situation. And so it's after, funny, sorry yeah. to interject, but like, it's funny that a lot of the times when we're in marriages or long-term relationships and we're miserable, it's like, well, I'm married. This is just what we do. And so kudos to your therapist for being like, hey, guess what? You don't have to choose misery. There's another way. Yeah. No, I mean, I think that was that was definitely a really big transition. And so once I left the marriage and I stepped outside, it occurred to me how easy it would be to fall back into that pattern of like, oh, but I just have to find the one person. And I think part of what I had learned from being married um, was that really it's impossible to ask one person to meet all of your needs, mm. that it, it just it wasn't fair. It wasn't fair to ask my ex to meet all of my social and emotional needs. And that's not to say that I'm not responsible for meeting some of my own needs too. That's also part of partly on me. But I just thought about it and thought, you know, but I have so many friends who I love deeply. Why would I have to change this relationship and have it be that there's just this one person? Like, why, why is that? And, you know, when I started thinking about it, I was like, well, that just seems ridiculous. And, and so again, my therapist was like, well, you know, you have options. Uh, and, and I'll acknowledge, like starting off, I was like, people don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, I remember her telling me, like, you know, this this is a thing. And I said, people don't do that. And she's like, oh, sweetheart, people do that all the time. Yeah, that, that's that's a thing. And I was like, oh, okay, well, tell me more about this, because this feels like it's a better structure for how I want to live my life, how I want to raise my kids, how I want to exist as a human being is not putting all of this pressure on one person and this relationship just because society says that that's what we're supposed to do. Mm -hmm. Kudos. I'm like, I second all of that. That's sort of, we didn't talk about it, but that was my thoughts too. And that's the conversation that I have with my partners that we can't expect one person to meet all of our needs. I, and I think again, to sort of compliment and thank you. I think when I met you, our, our first date, uh, I wasn't nervous. I think talking to you is very easy. You're very, uh, very good at communicating, a uh, very thoughtful person. Uh, do you recall where we went for our first date? We went, I'm, I think I'm remembering our second date when I went to your house. Like I, the dinner party. I was going to say, I, I remember, I remember meeting Reagan. Like that's the, that's the one that I remember the most vividly. She's We're, my screamer. I'm usually the highlight of most of David's dates. Okay. Yep. Well, I mean, I, she, I mean, she was great. Like she sticks in my memory as do you. So it must've been good. Where do we go on our first date? We went to Sasha's. We did go to Sasha's, oh, another didn't we? Good first date place. Oh, yeah. that yeah. is a wonderful first date place. Yeah, it is. And, you know, um, I think we did have some pretty interesting dates. I think we had a house party that was, or dinner party that was good. I'm trying to think of where else we went. Uh, we went out for, we went out for Mexican once, I remember. Yeah. How many, how long did you guys date? This is three dates. This is a lot for uh, A couple months, maybe? Yeah, I was going to say. I, yeah. I, I think probably a solid, like, eight or nine weeks. Yeah. The yeah. dinner party was date number two? That's very no, unconventional. No, no, no. That was, like, date number three, wasn't yeah. it? Oh, okay. It was I, think that was, I, I was going to say, I think okay. that was date number three. Okay. Yes. 
so you went, you dated for two months. How backtracking, what made you want to go on a sec on a second date? Cause David here, not to, not to, um, out David on his dating practices, but David doesn't go on a lot of second dates. Sometimes he's like, eh. I see him a body pump and I'm like, how's that day? And he's like, eh, it was just okay. So obviously something stuck for you to date for two months. Well, wait, wait, okay. Yes, I'm very interested in the, the question, but what do you think the percentage of first dates that people go on turn to second dates? For you or in general? In general, for you. For me? I haven't dated my, like less than 50%. Right. I know, but I feel like you, it's like three percent you, so, you feel like he's hitting below like the double digit margin as yeah for okay. sure or sometimes david this is not a bash david show but sometimes david will be like <laughs> eh, it was okay but i'll probably see her again i've heard that several <laughs> times as well yeah sometimes you don't know right that is true sometimes you don't know that's sometimes true. you don't know that's true well i mean i remember the conversation with david being really good and I'll say, like, generally speaking, if I'm going to go out on a second date with someone, there has to be, like, good conversation. Yeah. I have to feel like... It's key. Yeah. Like, we we don't have to talk about, like, French literature, which is actually something I, I very much like. But we need to find <laughs> something that we connect on and that we can actually go in depth about. And, and probably, too, just flow and ease of conversation, you know, even if it's not a, a topic that you can dive into but just ease and flow of conversation is a huge one for me so mm -hmm. if the conversation is stagnant then i'm like mm, no i was no gonna say and and for me like i'm pretty good at filling in awkward pauses but if i feel exhausted by the end of the evening that's usually a good sign that like i've tried really hard and either you haven't tried like whoever this partner is hasn't tried or you're not capable of doing it and either way that's not a good thing yeah you're yeah. like that's all i need to know on date 1 yes thank yeah. you we've covered everything yeah. <laughs> i'd also say that i think having kids makes a difference so for me it's been my experience that dating people who don't have children have never had children have none of these responsibilities not everybody falls into this category, but oftentimes people don't appreciate just how complicated my personal life is. So even if I'm not dating anybody and I'm trying to manage, you know, children and an ex and all of the other things that go along with it, that's part of the deal too. So I try not to push people to share those sorts of things with me on a first date, but oftentimes when we talk about our lives things come up. So I'm going to say, oh my gosh, like you will not believe what my son did today. It's mm. incredible because that is part of my life. So you do sort of discover that. And with David, you know, we, we had a chance to have a little bit of a conversation about that and empathize, uh, you know, with each other. Yeah. So we talked a lot. I mean, this all sounds good, right? Like this is great. So I'm, I'm curious. I know. I'm like, where do we turn a corner from here? your, from your perspective? Um, you know, what happened in the no longer dating area. Like, if if someone came to, if Reagan was saying, like, how come you don't date that Izzy lady anymore? I mean, I think... David's like, I want to know from you why I don't date you anymore. <laughs> well, no. and I mean, so the reason clearly is that you have this show, and I knew that you were going to need someone to come on the show to talk about this, yeah. so I had to break up with you, so you were going to have, psychic. like, an opportunity for that. It's a two-year uh, plan. I know, yeah. well, I mean, I, I, I plan, game. I was going to say, it's all about the long game. 
No, I think I think part of it was that timing was rough. So trying to figure out when we had kids, when we didn't have kids, who was available when, um, you know, jobs kicking up. And I don't know, I feel like we we stepped apart a little bit. And maybe we I think for me, I found that like, I really enjoyed chatting with you periodically, but I wasn't really able to give you the time and the attention that I would have wanted to Mm. for a relationship. That sounds lovely. But is it Was it a little bit of a case of I'm not just that into you? I mean, I don't know. But, like, am I not that into you in what way? So, like, oh, I don't see us settling down and getting married. No. Uh, I did not see that with David. But the truth of the matter is I'm not sure I see that with anybody. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. I I wholeheartedly agree with with everything you've said. And and we've talked a lot about poly relationships. And I think you guys are definitely – you know, pro and, and subscribe to the newsletter and go to the group meetings. Um, don't forget I, the pin. We get the, the pins, membership yes. too. Yeah. I, Secret yeah we're not, can we edit that part out? Not, people are not supposed to know about the pins, but um, I think one of the things that I struggle with when I'm, I'm curious from your perspective is I had a, a, a lot of times where it was, how do I fit in this person's life? Right. Um, Cause you mentioned, you know, dating three or four people, and some of them are, are very important to you. There's degrees. And so how do you fit someone else into that the, that life? I think it has a lot to do with figuring out what kind of lo- what kind of relationship this is going to be. And that makes it sound way simpler than it is because that's an evolution too. So where people are can shift over the course of time. I think starting out, I wasn't as thoughtful about how all the integration was going to work. And I also think that that's part of the reason that sometimes relationships ended was that I really liked this person, but I couldn't figure out, like you said, where do they fit in the scheme of all of these other people? And so part of my solution to that was cutting down on how many people I was having relationships with, which is not to say that I you know, gave up on friendships or other things, but I recognized that you know, I can't date four people successfully. It's not possible. Um, can I have somebody that I used to date who's a friend and who I go over and see periodically but doesn't really require a lot of attention from me? Absolutely. But uh, like my circumstances right now are are a really good example of where I decided I was too overextended. And so right now I'm only dating two people and that's manageable for me because I know where I fit in their lives because I've had enough experience to figure that out. But I don't think there's an easy answer to it. I think it's a lot of Uh, it's a lot of trial and error and it's also working really hard to respect the other person that this isn't just an object. Like you're not just plugging them into, I have three hours available on a (laughs) Tuesday, so you should be available. And I think sometimes it gets really easy for people from the outside to think of it that way, that like, I'm just plugging you in. The whole point of Polly is to say like, I like you. I enjoy our time together. I have, um, you know, feelings for you and, you know, usually romantic feelings, but even if they're just friendship feelings, I value you as a human being. And so I want to be able to, to put that time in. Mm-hmm. One of the things I'm curious about, and Reagan, I know you have thoughts on this as well. You know, a lot of the Polly people we know, they're, they're people in their thirties and forties. I wonder, you know, Reagan and, and Izzy, what does long-term look like, right? I mean, is it, are you, you don't, is it a situation where you have three 70-year-olds 
together. Mm-hmm. You know, they've been together for 30 years because it seems like a lot of the poly situations that I've been in. And uh, I, after you, I'm like, oh, this is, I could date other poly people. Um, but it's people come in and out. There's, there's a primary sometimes, but other people are like changeable parts. And I don't mean to sound so unromantic about it, but it doesn't seem like a long-term vision. So I'm going to let Reagan lead on this one. That's <laughs> I'm okay. like, oh God. Well, for me, I'm still very new and figuring out what this all looks like for me because my ideal structure where I sit today is a primary partner and that is not currently the person that I am dating who is poly and married. We tried that. It did not work. So me having a primary partner and having this person also in my life. And then if there are other people that there's time, space, and energy for, that's where I see my life going. And I can see that into my 70s and 80s. Like I I consider my, what I call him, my current, my ex-current married poly boyfriend, um, I consider him a life partner, so I can see us being in each other's lives in whatever way that looks, romantic or not. Um, but yeah, I think that who knows what this looks like when we're 80 and we're poly and we're trying to date. Who knows? But for me, where I sit today, that's where that's where I'm at. I don't know. So I think one of the challenges uh, is trying to figure out so, so you mentioned that the idea of hierarchy, right? So the idea of there being primaries and, you know, there's always, there's a whole bunch of argument in the poly community about the value of that, whether that's problematic, mm-hmm. whether we should be working on a more equitable level. And I think, I think there's a lot, I think there's a lot of discussion that goes on about it. I will say as someone who identifies largely as like a solo poly person. So, and, and I say that separately from being a single poly person. Mm-hmm. So solo in the sense that in general, I feel pretty comfortable being on my own. Um, I'm not for sure looking for somebody, but that would be great if it happened. I think looking to the future can be a little bit more threatening uh, because I think it does become that space of as we age, are we going to continue this level of, of flexibility and openness? So I don't know. Right now, uh, you know, for people who are in their 20s and doing poly stuff, yeah, it's cool and it's fine and it's fun and that, that's how it goes. But, and, and Reagan, you can correct me if your circumstance is different, but most of the people who I date, um, I shouldn't say most, well, a lot of the people who I date are married. Um, and obviously like ethically non-monogamous, you know, everybody's on board. Mm -hmm. I'm really, I'm deeply uncomfortable with dating someone who is not, you know, comfortable with sharing with partners and all of that, because that becomes a problem. But, you know, it it does become sometimes this issue of, but who's the, who gets the priority here? So if both your wife and I fall and break a hip, who are right. you going to come take care of on when Christmas we're Day? Where are you eating your turkey dinner? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. if for some reason I get a job someplace else and I need to pick up and move, is that something that you're willing to consider doing with me, or is that totally off the table? And so I think there are spaces where that feels really vulnerable mm-hmm. because it's a different space than people who already have, you know, their have their person, right? So mm-hmm. someone who has their person, who has their married partner. Um, 
I would stress that having a married partner does not make one happy, which is what I have come to find from dating married people in a lot of ways. So I used to think that I was the only person who was married who was deeply unhappy. I have come to learn that that is actually not at all the case. In fact, there are a tremendous number of, of married individuals who are deeply unhappy. But I think there is that sense of security that comes with it. And I don't know. I, I mean, part of me sees myself dating as long as I want, but ultimately buying a house with my two best friends and getting old there together and doing a Golden Girls. Thing. I was just going to mm. say, are you Dorothy? Are you Betty? Are yeah, you... no, I mean, I, I really feel like I'm Blanche. Sorry, Rose. Like, mm. I was going to oh, say, yeah. I, I was going to say, I feel like I've got to be Blanche. I'm 100% Rose. Oh, David is obviously a Dorothy. Yeah, yes. da- David obviously. is a Dorothy. You're right. No question. But I think, uh, so a couple things. One, David, I know I hear you chomping at the bits. Jump in, but... I love the your description of yourself as saying you're solo poly. Like, I admire that so much because it is not me at all. I'm like, where can I hook on to someone and build my life together? That is just how I am hardwired. And I admire because I'm sitting here right now as a single-ish person, um, like, trying to get comfortable in the single-dumb and then bringing someone else in. So that was the first thing. Kudos to you for that. I love that. I wish I could have more of that. And then secondly... There's always, and to your point about the hierarchy, there's lots of debate and there's so many nuances to being in poly relationships with all of those little details. Well, one of the things that's interesting to me is, and you and I have had great conversations about this when we talk about poly, I do think there is an inequity for someone who's not married, right? There is the, I think you said couples privilege, Mm -hmm. which I think is a hundred percent, um, And I think that was tough for me because I'm like, and you are a unique poly person because you weren't married. A lot of people were married and you kind of knew your place and there wasn't really a whole lot of room to, I mean, there's, there was a cap on it, right? Yes. Uh, I remember dating my, another poly person later in that year. And I mean, she was pretty frank. She's like, you know, I'm never going to be here helping you do laundry or clean up your house. And it's like that's husband shit right like and i was like oh okay yeah how did that land for you oh we stopped seeing each other david's like <laughs> uh, i need someone to help me with my laundry it's so like see i've been later, wearing lady. the shirt for five years i need no um but i i maybe i shouldn't have used the domesticated thing because i i think there, there may be some gender but i'm never gonna like you're not gonna be the person who's my emergency contact right. you're not the person who's my beneficiary for my retirement, like a, that, like adult stuff. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's tough because you have to say that somebody, and to be the person who's not that, and you will never be that person. Then it's like, well, where do we go from here? Sure, I think it's easy to feel like an add-on um, to to somebody's life, and I, I think that's the risk that comes with it. I think part of it also comes down to dating people who view you as more than that. So uh, the person I would consider really my primary partner right now, we just would have celebrated what? Almost four years. So I've been with this person for four years uh, in a variety of very challenging situations. And I mean, we've had a couple of breakups in between to stop and sort of recalculate, is this a good fit? Are we comfortable with the way that this is? And and what I'll say is, you know, this is someone who over the course of time, like, 
if I need somebody to watch my kids and I'm like, hey, can you run over and check on the kids? Absolutely. Like, hey, I need somebody to pick me up at the dentist's office because I have dental anxiety and I have to take Xanax before I can go in and I can't drive. Absolutely. Like, I'll rearrange my work schedule. But this is also someone who's told me, like, I really like our time together to be our time that's just us. Like, it's not that I can't come over and, like, read a book on your couch with you and do that together, but that's not really the kind of thing I want to do. Like, I kind of like to be on my own for this. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, the first time that that was said was really hard. I had expected that person to be like, oh, this is going to be great. Like, I can totally do this. And when I got the kind of, like, hard no it was a little bit of a jolt. Mm -hmm. But I'm really fortunate. I think that's a, I think in general, that's a really positive relationship for me. But absolutely, I've, I've had people who are just like, you will never be the primary in my life. This cannot be. And usually the use of the word primary for me is enough for me to step out. Yeah. Like it's that's a trigger enough. word. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That was just my two cents. I did remember the thing I was going to say, and it was just that. I think some married people will often open up their relationship when there are issues in their own marriage, thinking that that is going to solve it. And when I entered into the poly world, the um, my current partner and I, his whole philosophy, he's like, you do not open up your relationship until you are secure in your other relationships because it will just exacerbate any issues that you have going on. So it is not surprising to hear that. A lot of people are opening up thinking that this is going to solve all the issues. Well, I, you know, I, again, I'm glad that we had a chance to date and dating you challenged a lot of my assumptions of what it means to be in a relationship, how they could work. Uh, I think ultimately I realized, I don't know if I could do, I still don't know. I don't, I don't think it is for me. I don't think it's for everybody, but I think it can work. And I think for some single people out there who are like, hey, this woman uh, really likes French literature and she's super hot. I don't know if I could date her because she's poly. I mean, go ahead. Take a chance. That's what I'd say. Um, you could put that on your, your I, I was going to ask, like, can I, put, can I put that underneath now? Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. I'm going I'm to cite it. That, that's yeah. perfect. Yeah. I mean, just uh, take a chance. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, again, I appreciate you coming on. And talking a little bit about it, I think it's a sub interesting subject. As Reagan said, I think it's something we could talk about for hours. Um, but you know, I don't think we want to keep the the staff here, and we don't <laughs> want to certainly keep you here. But uh, think any any closing thoughts, Reagan? Izzy. So, I mean, I think I think the most important thing to take is that good relationships require good communication, and in my experience polyamory done successfully requires a tremendous amount of communication, but it also comes with really great rewards for people who are comfortable with that as an option and opening it up, while also recognizing it's not for everybody. Just like monogamy is not for everybody, uh, you know, people have their preferences. And so being open to the options that are available to you, I think is a good thing. I agree with David, I think taking a chance, even if it's not on me, uh, <laughs> but I think, I think being open and taking a chance is really a worthwhile opportunity. And, you know, if it works, it does. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. And that's okay. Uh, I don't think you're out anything. But but valuing uh, some of the things that go with Polly, I think, uh, can be a real eye opener for uh, a, a lot of people. And I hope that it becomes more accepted as an option 
that's available and a socially acceptable option. Agreed. Well, thank you for joining us on So We Dated, uh, recorded at Mind's Eye Studio in Belleville, Illinois, as I said. Music provided by Super Fun Yaya Rocket Ship. And we will see you next time. Glad you got to hear us. Please. I like more.